0: The following is a presentation of the Bellyup Sports Media Network.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Rising to the Occasion. We're so happy to have you back with us. We are here and we are ready to talk about college football in week 13, everything that went down in week 13. We had a lot of big time games, whether it be games that are just straight up rivalries or maybe there was games where the teams were fighting for a title, uh, they were fighting for a bowl game. There was all kinds of big time games going on and it was a lot of fun. That's what put so much excitement into it. We hope everybody had a an amazing Thanksgiving. I know our side of the family celebrates quite a bit for Thanksgiving, had a good time uh, being able to see all the family, go and eat lots of food and uh just be able to spend time with family i mean that's that's something so important so hopefully everybody had an amazing holiday and we're going to get to all of the football that we were able to watch over the holiday season and throughout we're going to back up all the way back up to friday uh for this one because we're going to have to back up to friday to some of those friday games then talk about the other ones that were going on yesterday on saturday um but before i do let me go ahead and first bring in my co-host jeremy jeremy how you doing man i'm
0: doing pretty good then i'm I feel like I gained 20 pounds with how much turkey and everything that we ate over <laughs> Thanksgiving. But, I mean, it, it's really good to be back. And obviously, like you mentioned, we had a lot of football to cover over this weekend. then it's, it's, it's kind of confusing a little bit just because we're always used to college football on Saturdays, but having a triple threat of college football on Friday and Saturday and pro football, obviously, on Sunday. But it, it's just really good to be back. And I know we had a lot of games that were coming down to the wire a lot this week. And there was some upsets, and there was some heartbreak, and there was a lot of really, really exciting games but Josh I know we got a lot to get to so I'm going to cut the chit chat and let's get rolling with it
1: yeah absolutely let's get to it uh, and before we do get too much further uh, we want to first mention our first sponsor for the evening and that is FanDuel, FanDuel has been an amazing sponsor, amazing uh, sports book and you know it's it's one thing to have your sports book and that's something that I used to always be stuck on one sports book all the time but if you're, if you're into sports betting you want to have multiple sports books and look around and shop around for another, another sports book that might be able to give you a pr- better profit boost maybe they'll give you better, better odds on the game or whatever it is that that you're going to be placing a bet on. And FanDuel has absolutely been one of those sports books that I can look at and use. And I've been using them a lot and I've been winning some good money from FanDuel. Uh, Go check them out. You can download the FanDuel app, but if you go to rising2.com slash FanDuel and that link is down below, you can check it out and see uh, FanDuel and and see what promo they gave you right now. I believe it is still set at $5. If you bet $5, you'll win $150 instantly. So go check it out. The only way to get that promo is by clicking on the link down in the description, sorry, uh, or going to rising2.com slash FanDuel. And you can check that amazing uh, deal out and get yourself a free bet of $150. It's a, a great deal and a great way to get your bankroll started the right way over there with FanDuel. The promo may be different in different areas, depending based on your, uh, area that you're in based on your region. And, uh, you also have to be 21 or older. And we just ask, please bet responsibly. So go check it out. FanDuel.com. or uh, You can download the FanDuel app, but if you go to rising2.com slash FanDuel, you'll get that amazing promo. Uh, and like I said, that promo may vary based on your location. But man, let's get into it, Jeremy, because like like we said, there's all kinds of games to get to. And we're going to start off with my Sooners, an amazing showing on Friday. I know we had two games going on in the house at the same time because my family's Uh, Nebraska fans we had Nebraska Iowa going on downstairs uh, and that one ended in just 23 total points still hit the under on it Uh, and I was pretty happy about that but sad that the the Huskers lost it kind of sucks to see them go down that way but that one ends with just 23 points upstairs on the other hand we had a scoring frenzy where it ended in 114 total points up there with Oklahoma TCU Uh, you know just a huge game and, and something that we, we bring up, we've brought up several times. Uh, we can go back and check the tape uh, and, and just see how many times, uh, you and I have mentioned on the show, how many times do we see the defense stacking the box and going cover zero, stacking the box, and we still try to run it right up in the middle into that that defense when you know that Oklahoma's got the better uh, wide receivers and they can beat the defenses deep if you just try going over top of them. And it just seems like all season long they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. And finally they do, and, and Dylan Gabriel, man, he, there was one point in the game where we were amazed because he was averaging 33.3 yards per per reception or per, per completion. Uh, and so looking at how he, he had it in this game he had his way with this defense he went 400 yards three touchdowns gavin Sachuk had 130 yards and three touchdowns on the ground uh, and then you look over at drake stoops as a, as a receiver the guy that was the leader in, in that entire uh, you know receiving core and just seeing how he showed up on senior day with 12 receptions 125 yards and a touchdown and and a huge shout out to the the defensive player that really has had this defense sparked up and ready to go all all season long. He's had six interceptions all season. Three of those were to the house, uh, and there was another one for forty five yards uh, this past weekend on Friday. Uh, he also had a team a, a team high of nine tackles. Uh, and so in that 45 yard intercept pick six was not an easy one spinning off a defender and finding an open field on the other side, taking it all the way to the house. And as soon as you hear Billy Bowman uh, and, and, and you hear his name getting called for an interception, you just assume he's going to go the distance with it. Um, but Jeremy, an, an amazing game from the Sooners being able to win 69 to 45. It's been a while since we've seen the offense score that much.
0: Dude, that was an unbelievable outcome for the Oklahoma Sooners. And especially, like you said, on senior day, you always want to see Oklahoma go out with a bang on senior day and have a really, really good game. And this is one of those games that where Oklahoma definitely did had a really, really good game. I will have to admit, I was getting a lot of steps and going up and down the stairs watching the Nebraska game and watching the Oklahoma game at the same time. But focusing on the Oklahoma TCU game, obviously having a 69-45 to 45 total for the game. That was a really, really good game for the Oklahoma Sooners, and just seeing Dylan Gabriel just shine and just having a good game. It was really, really nice to see that kind of an outcome. Like I said, on senior day, you guys want to go out with a bang and having that kind of a defensive stand where we talk about having six picks in one single game. That is absolutely mind-boggling to me just because we're used to seeing maybe one, two, or maybe even three at the absolute most by one particular player. But having six in one game, that is truly remarkable.
1: In the the season. Yeah, in the season. Excuse me, I don't know why I said in the the same. But, um,
0: yeah, I mean, just looking at the overall aspect of the game, for Oklahoma, they did not let off the gas. But I know they did have a little bit of a hiccup there in the third quarter, just allowing TCU to rack up a little bit of points and have some things go unfortunate for their way. But for the overall outcome for the Oklahoma seniors, this is a game that we really, really – we're excited to see for Oklahoma just because, like you said, we haven't seen a a whole big time, like week in and week out, high-scoring games like this for Oklahoma. And this is one of those ones to where, like I said, we want to cap it off on a good note, and this is definitely a good note. Obviously, Stoops and Anderson and everyone getting the ball passed to them. It was definitely a good turnout, and like I said, you can't complain with how Dylan Gabriel performed just because, obviously, working with that kind of remark and having that much pressure, especially trying to be it on senior day, that's just one thing. But just I'm really proud for your Oklahoma seniors to go out that way. It's a really, really good remarks and I'm just really thankful to have Stoops and Anderson and just the whole Sooners organization just to have a great lineup of players just for this kind of a situation
1: yeah and and honestly too if you're just looking at the score you're thinking the defense played absolutely terrible uh, they just had a terrible third quarter that was it uh, outside of that third quarter uh, just felt like Oklahoma really had the game in control for the most part and it, they, they did a, I think they did a great job uh, and seeing them score that much that was the third time that they've scored 65 or more and that's the most in the country uh, and so it's, it's an offense that's capable of doing big things. It's just how that, that scheme gets put together and how that game plan gets put together. Uh, and, and one big new piece of news that uh, has been breaking, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, takes the head coaching job over at Mississippi State, which everyone kind of assumed would happen, uh, since he knows the often or the uh, uh, athletic director there, and then of course he has ties to Mississippi as well, as he started off uh, earlier in his career at Ole Miss. So uh, a, a lot of I, I hats off to him for for what he's able to do because uh, you know and, and and I hope him the best of luck. I know a lot of Sooner Nation gave him crap all season long, and I think he. Was partially to blame um, for for a lot of the the slow starts and the and the even the two losses. I think you can look at some of the schemes put together, but overall, I don't think you can blame one specific uh, thing in in a lot of those situations. So uh, I I have hope the best of luck from from Jeff Lebby and everything he's able to, able to do over there, and just hopefully Oklahoma can keep all those recruits. Uh, that's the only thing I'm really too worried about, and I know that I'm sure that Brent Venables will get a good guy in his place. But moving over to Texas. Definitely. Versus Texas Tech, another rivalry game, one that you know I, I, we looked at, and my Texas Tech could be that team to give a little bit of an upset alert. But really, this toxic, Texas offense was rolling; it kept on spreading the ball around a lot. Uh, they they really had a very balanced offensive attack too. They they kept it on the ground a lot, um, but they were able to air it out just as much as they really needed to. And and seeing their this Texas defense, I think they've gotten better and better. As the season has gone on, I haven't seen this Texas defense struggle at all throughout the season, let alone you know, just, just looking at how, how they performed as a whole. I think they keep on getting better as time goes on. And, and I've been really impressed with this Texas defense overall and seeing uh, what they did. This, this game in particular, they had three different players that had an interception. And then on top of that, they only allowed 198 total yards and less than 100 yards passing. So it was definitely a team in Texas Tech that was trying and trying and just kept on struggling to get past this Texas defense. And I think that's why Texas has shown to be so dominant, even whenever they do have their struggles. It's because of this this defense and what they're able to do. And then, of course, we also seen uh, Arch Manning take his debut, his college football debut, not a huge one, just a little bit. And really, but he, he did show his athletic ability a little bit, being able to scramble and get out for 12 yards. Outside of that play, didn't really have much else. Um, another player to, to highlight was uh, Keelan Robinson with a 95-yard kick return touchdown. Uh, and then, you know, and, and just looking throughout that game, it just seemed like Texas just had everything going for him whenever they couldn't get the ball all the way. Uh, Burt Auburn, uh, he was really kind of the key player because he was five for five on field goals, uh, six for six on PATs. And a 54 yard yard long, that's 21 points that goes towards the kicker. That that's just how 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 much of an effective player he was in this game. But Texas ends up winning 57 to 7. They're on their way to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, and obviously, as always, we're going to be throwing those horns up around here just for this week. Uh, this week alone, I know I'm an Oklahoma fan, but we, we're going to throw those up uh, just, just to cheer on Texas in that Big 12 championship game. But Jeremy, uh, a really good win by Texas being able to show up against Texas Tech that way and, and shut them down early.
0: Yeah, literally, right from the get-go, you know Texas. They showed up, and uh, if Texas Tech did not make some adjustments here, it was going to be a really rocky situation for Texas Tech. But obviously, as you guys can tell by the score, like Josh said, having 57-7 to seven going for Texas, that is definitely something to where you can see this kind of a team that they can adjust and they can make simple little itty-bitty things, and they can just make it work. Not going against Texas Tech, they just – They were struggling, like I just said. If you didn't make those adjustments and just follow your position and do your job, it was just – it wasn't going to work for you. And obviously looking at the scoreboard here, it didn't necessarily work out in Texas Tech's favor. I was kind of – I thought Texas tech was going to maybe keep it a little bit closer just because I know we talked a long time ago at the beginning of the year, we thought Texas tech was going to be one of those underdog teams to where they can really surprise a lot of people. And, in this kind of a situation, I understand it's a, it's against Texas here, but still, I, I thought this may be like a, like a, Oh, like a 21 to like 42 scoring game here. And, it, it just seemed like Texas Tech just couldn't get anything rolling and just keep that momentum going here. But just for the overall outcome, obviously, congratulations, Texas. I'll still have horns up, but they're going to be down a little farther just because I'm still an Oklahoma fan. But, I mean, you look at this kind of situation, I mean, Texas Tech, I'll still give you the credit of the doubt, ending the year 6-6, six and six, but at the same time, you just needed to make those adjustments and you didn't make those adjustments and it just didn't work. So my all-in-all, good job, Texas tech way to keep up with it, I guess, but horns up, I guess it still feels worth saying that.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to throw it up when it, when it's necessary. And yeah, honestly, just looking at that, we'll, we'll get to that, that game later on throughout the week, I'm sure. Uh, And then even here coming soon too, just, I, I don't know, just looking at Texas, they, are the best team in the Big 12 right now. Uh, outside of o- Oklahoma, there's not really a single team in the Big 12 that could beat Texas right now, and it just goes to show even even Texas without their starting quarterback and other injuries outside of that. They didn't have Jonathan Brooks the last few games, and so I just, I just don't think anyone outside of Oklahoma stands a, a chance against Texas, uh, and so I think Texas has got that Big 12 championship game in the bag, but mm-hmm. let's jump over to the game. We've got Michigan versus Ohio State. This is one... That I, I know Blake and I were talking about this one, man. Uh, you know, we, we look at this Ohio State team, and I think the Ohio State team has what it takes to take down Michigan because everyone wants to rag on Ohio State. Everyone wants to say that they're not good enough. Everyone wants to say that, yeah, but they don't have an offense. But you look at Ohio State, and their defense is just so dang good that it, do, it just doesn't matter. And in this game, it just seems that even without Harbaugh, it just seems that michigan was the aggressor we talked about this if you go back to when we talked about the red river rivalry it just seemed like oklahoma was the aggressor they were the more aggressive team and we've talked about that with with several teams going throughout the season you know just how it seems like that the more aggressive team always wins and it just seemed like michigan was on a mission they wanted to to win this game. And if you looked around in that stadium, man, I don't know how any, anyone can survive in that stadium the way it was crazy. Uh, and and it, was, it was rumbling. And you could see them th- waving around the little yellow pom-pom or towel, whatever it was that they were waving above their head. But uh, honestly, Kyle McCord, I, I think he's one of the reasons why – we've seen osu kind of have have issues throughout the season he's just not that good of a quarterback and i i did call i said man i think that uh he's a clutch quarterback i think he's going to come down and my dad and i were talking during the game i said this last drive feels like he's going to go down and he's going to make the right moves and he's just going to come in clutch he's not a good quarterback but he's going to come in clutch and make the right moves Uh, he gets head as he throws he throws the interception the game's over but uh, on the day he goes 18 to 30 Uh, 271 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions to match those touchdowns. Uh, And and really, J.J. McCarthy, you look at the other side, J.J. McCarthy didn't have to be A superstar because the offense runs for 156 yards on a really good Ohio State defense and especially this rushing defense so I was really impressed with Michigan I think Michigan proved a lot of haters wrong I was never on the train that I think Michigan's not good or that they haven't played anybody and that's why they don't belong there it's just I thought Ohio State had this slight itty-bitty edge over them and you just didn't see them using that. They, did, they only got the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. five times. Uh, and, and looking outside of that, you just didn't really see key players stepping up. And Travion Henderson was shut down all day. Uh, he had a really hard time getting rolling. And so Michigan comes away with the win. They win 30-24. Uh, to 24. And again, they were just the more aggressive team. And I think that's why they were able to win this game.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, first things first, want to talk about Michigan. I want to give him obviously my my condolences and hope for a speedy recovery for their offensive lineman that did go down with an injury. If I correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, he messed up his tibia amphibia. and fibula. Um, and if that kind of an injury, that's something that I would never want to endure. So obviously yeah, he was, my heart's out to you.
1: He was on the field for a while. Yeah. And, and yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like from the start of the get go here, Michigan just came out and they were punching the lights out of Ohio state. At first it was a pretty good stalemate between both Michigan and Ohio state, just showing off what each defense can do. And we expected this kind of a game to where it's going to be really, really close here. And then one simple thing is going to cost you the ball game here. Now I will have to admit I was on that trend to Michigan at being number three and I will admit I did say Kyle McCord hasn't or not Kyle McCord, JJ McCarthy hasn't played anybody good. Now, coming into this game, I will have to I will have to swallow my words and say he he stepped up to the plate and he did he did prove a lot of people wrong, like you said, Josh. But looking at this overall outcome for the game, my big thing is for Michigan, their run game was really, really good with number two, and especially the next play after the injury for their offensive lineman, just bring it to the house and just just showing off what he can be able to do. It really looked like he got shot out of a cannon when he was running to the end zone. And don't get me wrong. Like you said, Ohio State's one of those defenses that can shut anybody down. Now, I know they were talking a lot about this during the pregame, that once, oh, once Ohio State gets that A-man front and have an empty backfield, that's when they usually have that kind of a mental mistake to where you're going to see the opposing team put points on the board here. Now, Ohio State, they definitely did a lot of their homework, and they stick to their blocks, and they stick to their key assignments. And they just didn't let – Michigan run all around each other, but they were still allowing Michigan to put a lot of running yards on the board and find a lot of the ends on here. And the, this was one of the games, the game, I should say that we were all obviously expecting to be a really, really good shootout and gun battle. But at the overall end of the day, Michigan comes out with it and, I'm gonna go off what you said, Josh. That much of that much of people at Michigan's field, I would be absolutely petrified. I, I was a little scared when we went down to Oklahoma. I will admit that, but that's also my first game. I can only imagine what it was like down over in Ann Arbor in Michigan having that big of an atmosphere. I think if I'm wrong, or correct me if I'm wrong, I should say, Josh, it was over 110,000 plus for the attendance for the game.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's yeah, I would stadium. bring in. It's the largest stadium in the country, too, and, and just knowing how energetic that crowd is. And it's a, it's an undefeated team against an undefeated team, a rivalry that dates back a long time ago, and it's Michigan mm-hmm. who's won the last two. They want to win a third one, and Ohio State's pissed off that they, they've they lost the last two, and they're also being overlooked by a lot of people throughout the country and a lot of people underestimating what they can do, and really the same thing for Michigan. So all the hype built up around it uh, this year, and I feel like even last year was very similar where uh, both teams, just a lot of hype coming to that point. It was obvious that it was going to come down to that game for who would would go on to the, the Big Twelve or Big uh, Ten championship game. And again, it comes down to it this year.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, one more do you want to ask for, for a game like this? This is definitely one, the game that we all want, we're anxious to see and we're excited to see how, um, I shouldn't say excited, because we all know the outcome, how Iowa tries to, pull off the biggest upset in the entire career of football to beat Michigan in this kind of aspect. But yeah, we'll see how that ends out.
1: Well, and you get Jim Harbaugh back. Maybe that's why Iowa beats him because you get Jim Harbaugh back and all the emotion is there and you just overlook an opponent that you should beat. Who knows? Uh, And It's it's one of those, one of those crazy situations where it could happen. I just don't see Iowa beating Michigan in in the big 10 championship game, Mm -hmm. but Let's go to Louisville, Kentucky, another rivalry game going on here. And it's not that Kentucky is bad. That's not what shocks us about them upsetting Louisville in this game. It's the fact that they're able to win by scoring so much and, and seeing these two teams. Because of Louisville, we've talked about them. They've been greedy on defense all season long, they've been very big and tough and not the same Louisville team that we've, we're used to seeing. And so it's been really shocking to see them come out uh, and, and, and really the entirety of the season just come out the way that they were and then all of a sudden come up to this last game where you're number 10 in the nation and with with quite a bit of chaos, I understand there has to be quite a bit to happen, but if you go into the ACC championship game and win that, there's a possibility that Louisville has a chance getting into the playoffs if they win this game and instead they lose. And they lose, you know, to a team that that really didn't have any any business beating them in Kentucky. Um, but Kentucky ends up winning thirty eight to twenty one. Kentucky won the turnover battle three to one. But outside of that, Louisville just looked like they won the game. If you look at the stats, it, it, it was just such a weird game. And I was going back to try to watch the highlights and understand what happened throughout that game. And even on the film, it's just it doesn't really make sense how Louisville walks out of that game without a win. Um, but Kentucky ends up winning 38-21. to 21.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the stats, like you just said, I'm going to say a little bit for Larry in Kentucky, having 12 for 22 with 206 yards. Like you said, three three tutties and one interception. You look on the other side for Louisville. And Mr. Plummer over there having 24 for 33 for 242 yards and two touchdowns. This was definitely a gunslinger battle. And I was really surprised by the outcome, obviously, as well as you much, Josh. I mean, you talk about a 10-2 and Louisville team going against a 7-5 and Kentucky team now. And this was definitely something that we were really, really shocked about just because we thought it was going to be the other way around here. We thought Louisville was going to walk in. They were just going to completely kick butt. But Kentucky definitely came back and bit them in the kisser and we've talked about a lot of these teams that we're usually just used to seeing like in basketball shine, but this school is definitely becoming to where they're getting their name out in the in the college football era as well. And then it's cool to see schools like that just because obviously like I said, you see one particular school like obviously Kentucky or like Gonzaga for example, they're known for being a dominant basketball school. And now Kentucky comes into this picture and they're starting to become a pretty good football team. I'm not saying they're not a great football team here, but we're just used to seeing them shine on the basketball court here a little bit. Now you get in this kind of a situation that this could definitely like this lost to the Louisville loss against Kentucky. This could definitely mess up a lot of teams futures here going into the, into those last couple weeks to try and go bowling here. And this is definitely something that we were kind of, weren't predicting here. We thought that Louisville, like I said, was just going to come in and just completely have a cakewalk here, but like you just told me a little bit ago, you can never expect the unexpected here, and Kentucky definitely shut me up, and they brought the game.
1: Yeah, and and you have to expect Kentucky's defense at all times to be you know an, mm-hmm. an aggressive defense, but I just, I don't, and it's not even to say that I didn't think Kentucky could even pull off the win, but if, if Kentucky was, if you told me Kentucky won without me seeing this game, I would have said it was more like a 18 to 21 kind of game uh not 38 to 21 so uh, just seeing (laughs) seeing how much both teams were able to score uh yeah that was definitely a shocker and and it wasn't it wasn't an easy one for kentucky fans or uh, sorry for louisville fans uh who are living in kentucky uh to to look at Mm -hmm. that game and and to see their rival seeing seeing those little uh putty cats uh be able to whoop up on them like that but uh let's go over to A game that I know if Blake was on with us tonight, uh, he's not able to be on with us tonight. But if he was, I'm sure he would have a lot to say. That's why I didn't write down a whole lot of my notes. But watching this game, man... I was I was shocked uh, we started off watching it we were going over and flipping back over uh, between this one and the BYU Oklahoma State game because that one meant more to me and, and what what it could have meant for my team um, but instead we, we, we kept on flipping back and forth and we ended up getting them on, on split screens eventually because it was, it was just hectic I, I expected Alabamas gonna run away with this and then I, and then I won't have to worry about it too much but watching this game Auburn they were really close to shocking the nation because Alabama with Uh, You know, obviously going into the SEC championship game next week, I'm pretty sure they already had that locked in before this game, but now with only one loss and going against undefeated Georgia, who's now currently number one, Georgia, you could go into the SEC championship game, win that game, and possibly with some chaos, work your way up into the the college football playoffs. So Alabama walking into this game, you know, it's a rivalry game and I understand all the emotion is going to go into that game, but I don't know if Alabama's just overlooking their opponent or if Auburn just played up to their opponent. Uh, and this was a huge recruiting day for Auburn and Alabama, uh, getting a bunch of recruits coming there and watching this game. And what a game for those recruits to watch, really for both sides, just showing, hey, look, you could be the difference in this game. For Auburn, especially, you could be the difference. Look how close we were to one of the best teams in the nation. And we came up just barely short because we needed a couple of key pieces. Uh, and So that's really the only victory that Auburn gets if you want to count moral victories. Outside of that, it's just a heartbreaking loss because, uh, you know, great defense makes it fourth and 31, which is fourth and goal. So f- fourth and goal from the 31-yard line now. Uh, Bryce Young makes an amazing throw uh, to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. And, you know, backing up just before that, there was an, a muffed punt that gave Alabama the ball back down there in Auburn territory. Uh, and so seeing that and seeing everything that happened there, uh, and man, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking loss because Auburn has the lead. All you have to do is field that punt, waste the rest of the time, and you're good to go. Uh, you, don't, you don't have anything to worry about if you just field that punt or honestly, don't, don't take the punt to begin with. Uh, and I know Blake was one of them, along with a lot of Auburn fans, really ticked off that on that fourth and 31, you only sent two guys to rush the quarterback. Uh, and Jalen Milrow, who had, was scrambling around all game and couldn't figure out what to do with the rush that was coming at him. Uh, so I think that was a bad decision. I understand the decision because you know they're going to run the ball. or the, the, I'm sorry, you know that they're going to pass the ball. And so I understand that. But how there was a dude with single coverage and open in the, in the back of the end zone, uh, just and, and Bryce Young with all day to make his decision, too, and for plenty of time for the receivers to get downfield because you know they have to get to the end zone. So there wasn't any surprise there. Uh, and then on top of that, Auburn's offense, they're on that last drive when they finally get the ball back. Uh, so, you know, Alabama scores to take the lead 27-24. Auburn has the ball back. A little bit of time to do it. Not much, but there's a possibility and anything's possible in the Iron Bowl. They get it back, and the Auburn offense just looked deflated. They looked unprepared. To, to you know, They weren't getting to the ball fast. I don't know what was going on on that last drive there, but that was probably the worst preparation up to that point that I've seen all season long. But uh, really sad for Auburn Tigers and, and seeing that the kind of loss that you had there because you were so close to glory in that game. Uh, if you got blown out, who cares? Alabama's a better team. But the fact that you had the win in your hand, and it just feels like coaching ultimately that, that lost the game there, Jeremy.
0: Fire Ron Roberts is all I'm going <laughs> to yeah, say. Absolutely. Like an Auburn. But I mean, bringing only two people, what are you thinking? Oh, wait a minute. You weren't thinking. Um, but Lily, really outside of that aspect and. I'm not going to get in a big rant here just because we all wildly watched the game. And just if you were to tell me that Auburn lost 27-24 in this situation, I didn't watch a single snap of the game. I would have said, what the heck did I just miss here? Just because this had to be a a phenomenal game here. And obviously, like you said, for – Auburn's defense against Jalen Milroe and his scrambling ability, I know there was a good amount of time that he was able to scramble outside of the pocket or just run up and down the sides and – just you got to find a way to get obviously Jalen Milrow off his ego, and Auburn had some opportunity. They had a lot of opportunities to bring Jalen Milrow back in the backfield there, but I mean Jalen Milrow is one of those quarterbacks where it's so hard that he's kind of like another version of Lamar Jackson for scrambling ability. You just can't expect anything in that kind of a situation here. But for Auburn's stand, you guys in the running game that was definitely something that helped you guys a lot, just because we didn't see. Uh, We didn't see Auburn throw the ball a whole bunch in that kind of a game. They were obviously sticking straight to their run game. Now, obviously, for Peyton Thorne, I think he went through 16 times, and he can play a 5 or 16 for 91 yards here. Now, looking on the running game um, for Hunter, he had 93 total yards on the game here. And that was definitely something to where you can see this kind of a game to where it was going to be. Pretty, pretty tight here a little bit from the aspect for Auburn just because they had to go up against one of the best defenses that we obviously see in the game today. But for the overall outcome for this game, like I said, I'm not going to rant a whole bunch about it just because, like I said, we all watched the game. And we all, there probably is a few people out there, hopefully Blake was not one of them who threw the remote at the TV, um, just because this was literally something to where we just want to bang our head against the wall and say, Auburn's Ron Roberts, what the heck are you absolutely doing here, buddy, just because you need to. You need to get out of town before people start finding you just because it's not going to be a good outcome if you hear a lot of people's people's size, and especially Blake's probably.
1: Yeah, and I know I know, uh, you know, our thoughts out for Blake, too, because I know he was trying the fourth and thirty one uh, Tide Pod challenge. So uh, we'll see how that one ended up. for him. But, uh, you know, it was it was I, I don't know. It just I, I get it because it sucks to lose a game when you know that you had the game. And mm-hmm. coaching decisions and just dumb mistakes ruined it for you you beat yourselves in that game it's not like alabama came out and had the best game of their lives because they didn't uh you know and, and and it's not even like you just had a really bad game all around and you got whooped whatever what can you do and you just move on no you you got you got your butt handed to to you by yourself is how that was and it, it just it sucks uh, to have that happen and Man, it, it, I, I really hate that for for Auburn fans. I know my dad and I were even talking like, man, we're we're big Auburn fans today. Cause how how fun would that be just to see a, a six win Auburn team come out six and five Auburn beats uh, eleven and one, uh, or uh, I guess uh, uh, let's see, it was ten and one 10 at the time. So ten and one Alabama. That, that's just one of those things that makes that rivalry so much sweeter when you see those big time upsets. Just not happening there, and it, again, all because of really poor coaching decisions there towards the end. And that that muff punt hurt, but that f- when you your defense came out and put them back fourth and thirty one, uh, with an, with the only shot being to the goal line, that's that's pretty tough to lose it on that. Um, but mm-hmm. going on, we've got BYU Oklahoma State. Like I said, I was trying to watch this one very closely. I was a huge BYU fan yesterday, and. They let me down. Uh, BYU, man, they, they start off, they owned the first half. I thought there's no way that, that Oklahoma State can come back. They just don't look energetic. They don't look ready for this game. They don't look like they really want a, a championship and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at, at least a title game. And their fans don't even look like they want a title game because the, 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 the stadium was half empty. As, looking at the, the stadium, it was just pathetic. Uh, you know, but looking at the second half, it, it just seemed like big plays weren't going BYU's way. There was a lot of officiating that I need answers. And we talk about this a lot, but how BYU had the illegal contact on review on the onside kick, that was a head scratcher to all of us. We were trying to understand that because everything was after 10 yards when they when they made contact, when the ball was touched, and so I don't understand exactly what what went on in that? So I need explanations to that. Uh, and then there was a lot of other calls that I just looked at and I thought, man, like that really should have been called one way. I know there was a pass interference that was just atrocious that forced BOIU to have to punt the ball away in a in a really bad spot where man they really needed to score in that drive. And so uh, there was just a lot of big time big time situations like that and big time calls that I just were a lot of head scratchers throughout the game. And it just felt like maybe the Big 12 had a hand in this game trying to keep Oklahoma out of that Big 12 championship game. But Oklahoma didn't handle their own in the bed, Bedlam game, and so uh, you can blame it all on that if you want. But anyways, looking at Ollie Gordon, he's a guy that I think deserves a Heisman trip to New York uh, just because the dude, he's been phenomenal in the back end of the season. Uh, really, if you take that first three games out of out of Oklahoma State's season, he's been phenomenal, and he's looked absolutely phenomenal just like an absolute nightmare for any kind of defense. He ended with 166 yards, five touchdowns, two of those coming from uh, the, the two overtimes, I believe, but still five touchdowns on a, on a day. Uh, and BYU, they really had an amazing drive after a PAT that they blocked to get down there, and you couldn't hardly see the PAT because of all this fog and smoke, everything in the way, but they blocked that, so they they make it to where it's a three-point game. They go down, score the four, the field goal to go to overtime, and BYU fumbles the ball in overtime. All because the, the the ball carrier's knee was sitting right on top of his foot. I was like, no, his knee was down. That there's no there's no question about it. And the commentators were like, oh, he was absolutely, in. The, or the the ball was absolutely out. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with these commentators? They're like, what are they talking about? And they look at it, and the closer they look, they realize I'm right. And then they look a little bit closer and realize no and he was just barely on top of the dude's foot and so they fumble it uh, Oklahoma State, State wins the game on a turnover there in second overtime and Oklahoma State wins 40 to 34 but uh, a crazy nail-biting game for BYU and Oklahoma State and it sucks for BYU not to be able to make make a a, a bowl game too sitting there at five wins now
0: Absolutely, I mean, I I even texted you at the beginning of the BYU game, like, look at BYU, this is going to be the moment we're actually going to get to go bowling here, and then it, it it was just out of reach that we couldn't reach out, and just literally, I I agree with you, Josh. This was one of those games where I was on the edge of my seat just watching it, and my mind still can't wrap around the the catch, then his knee and the foot and everything that was truly mind boggling to me that you could. That it, it just came out of that kind of a situation where it came to a fumble and Oklahoma State came out with the win. Then I was in the same boat. I became a big BYU fan temporarily just because we obviously want to see Oklahoma go bowling against Texas and – it just is it is what it is. You can't have everything go in your favor. But literally, this was definitely one of those games to where you can tell each team did not want to lose this game. They all stuck out they all stuck around and they all put everything out there on the field, going in a double overtime in that kind of a game. In the not not greatest of situational games, I gotta give my hats off to both Oklahoma State and BYU for hanging in there and just fighting throughout the weather. That was definitely something that I, I miss, but I don't miss at the same time playing football in high school but looking at the overall stats for for Wensloff you can tell uh not Wensloff Retzlav, excuse me he went 14 for 30 for having 161 yards in the game in that kind of a condition I gotta give him credit for that then obviously for Bowman having 31 for 47 321 yards in the game that's that's unbelievable you can tell obviously and, and most of those were all in the second was...
1: half too uh and, exactly. and, and really for for Retzlaff too it was like it sucked because BYU's receivers were just dropping passes early in the, in the game that they mm-hmm. really should have been able to pull in, uh, and then there was a lot I'm of them stealing. that were were ducks for him too. He just had some that came out wet, and you could tell, and and it wasn't going to get to his receiver. But yeah, I think that I think the conditions definitely played a big part of that game.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, you obviously understand, you know, as much as I do, Josh. In those kind of situations, you just got to do what you got to do, and if it, if it goes your way, great, and if it don't, unfortunately, that's just how the cookie crumbles. But like I said, at the end of the day, my hat's off to both teams and Oklahoma State for pulling off the game. And we wish it could have been the other way. But, I mean, like I said, it is what it is. And let's just see how they do against Texas because this is definitely going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I, I've i never seen a fan base so happy to knock another team out of the title game out. instead yeah. of just being happy that they made it to the title game. <laughs> that, that was what was mm-hmm. so funny for me. And outside yeah. of that, too, like I haven't really seen – any oklahoma state fans like i was i was looking around in their groups too to kind of see like i just like seeing the the drama going on if oklahoma fans dive in there and start talking a lot of crap or anything and the oklahoma state fans like they 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 really aren't happy that they have a chance at a big 12 title <laughs> they're they're just happy yeah. that oklahoma didn't get in and i don't see anything like any kind of big posts or nothing and like i said their, their fans didn't even show out uh, and that's no. that's pathetic but I'm, I'm going to call it now. I think Texas runs all over them and just absolutely mm-hmm. slaughters them in that Big 12 championship game. But, Jeremy, a lot of times whenever whenever we're talking about, uh, you know, and whenever we hop on here, whenever we, we start off our day, we need some energy. Uh, and, and one of those great ways is to get that energy and to make sure that you're filled to to do any kind of activity, whether it be work or whatever, Uh, It's built bar. Built bar gives you the right kind of energy and they they give you all kinds of amazing energy to go throughout your day. Built bars aren't your typical protein bars. They're very nutritious and they're packed with protein. And guess what? They taste absolutely amazing. They don't have any kind of gritty texture to them the way a lot of uh, protein bars do. They have an amazing taste uh, and they are just absolutely amazing. Uh, you can call it magic if you want, but it really is true. They've got a range of amazing flavors, too, really good flavors. Uh, they've got anything from salted caramel, coconut, cookies, and cream coated in 100% real chocolate uh, I know Jeremy's favorite is that birthday cake built bar. Uh, so you can mm. go check that one out too. I know he'll, he'll uh, talk your ear off about that one, but whether you're working out or hiking or you're chasing after the kids, or even if you're like us and you're hopping on to, to start your podcast, uh, no matter what you're up to, built bars are the perfect companion to keep you energized and satisfied without piling on at extra sugars and sketchy additives. And for our loyal listeners out there, we've got a great deal for you because we partnered up with built bar and we've got you 10% off by using code rising Two that is uh, code R I S I N G T O and you'll get a whopping 10% off your entire order again that's R I S I N G T O T O at Uh, built.com. So you can go to built.com and check out built bars. Go ahead, unwrap your first built bar experience. Or if you're a seasoned fan, you can try a new flavor. Uh, Trust me with built bar, you can feel your, uh, you can feel your body and it'll be absolutely delicious. You can have a protein bar and you don't have to expect that protein bar uh, to just be something that you feel like you have to eat. You can eat it and truly enjoy it. So again, go to built.com that is B-U-I-L-T.com and use code R-I-S-I-N-G-T-O. But let's get back to the action and get to some of these games that we've got lined up because the next one, we've got to talk a little bit about Washington and how scary it was for Washington because here you are with a chance to go 12-0, go on to your Pac-12 championship game, and if you win that, go to the college football playoff. There is really nothing in their way. They're, they've, they're pretty much locked in at this point. So you look at this, and if as long as you're able to win out, You've got it locked in. If you lose this game, you possibly ruin your chance to the Big Twelve or to the to the uh, not to the Pac-12 championship game because you've got that locked in. But you you possibly ruin your chance for the playoffs if you lose to, to Washington State here. Uh, you know Michael Penix Jr. He didn't have the the game he'd really hope for, but he he did well enough, uh, and I think the defense ultimately carries him. They only allowed uh, sixty four yards uh, on uh, I think it was. Rushing. I don't know why I didn't write this down, but I think they only allowed 64 yards rushing and two interceptions on the day too. So that was big for the defense to stand up whenever they needed it. Uh, and then, you know, with Roma Dunze and, and just relying on him and understanding that he is your key playmaker, uh, getting him out on that little flip, flip play there in, in motion to get him down the field and set them up in great uh, position. Ends up hitting the field goal to win the game, and it was a beauty. Uh, going right down the middle. Uh, so Washington State, another thing with them, I think they really hurt themselves. Washington State did with 10 penalties for 85 yards. That was just a terrible stat to have in the game. But ultimately, Washington, they end up pulling out against Washington State and they pull out the win 24-21, to 21, Jeremy.
0: I was... I was literally on the edge of my seat watching this game because every time – it was almost like the same situation when we were down in Oklahoma. When we saw Washington playing against Arizona State. Then all of a sudden we just kept seeing the score updates and it'd be tied 7-7, then 14-14, then 21-21. I'm thinking, is this finally going to be the day that Washington gets that one loss in the column? But obviously for Grady Gross and his leg and just putting it through the uprights and getting it good. But before I get into a little bit, I want to talk a little more about more about that obviously grady gross having the game winning game game winning score for washington the big thing that i love seeing a little highlight of it back in the locker room then i don't know if a lot of you guys knew this him winning that field goal and winning the game for washington he earned himself a scholarship so that was that was definitely something that I saw I thought was really, really awesome. Then they showed video of him in the locker room just balling. And that was I would be in the same situation. Just kick a game winning field goal, then earn yourself a scholarship. That is truly unbelievable. And hats off to the Washington team and doing that for him. But going back to the game here, like you said, this was definitely a nail biting situation here. Obviously having Michael Pennings Jr. throwing for two hundred and four yards, having 18 to 33 on the day. Then, having Ward on the other side, he had a game. He threw 32 for 48 and had 317 yards for three tutties. That is. Absolutely unbelievable. Going against this kind of a Washington team to where we see them in those situations to where a lot of other teams, when they're one-on-one, it's going to be it's going to be pretty easy for some teams. But you go against a Washington team and a Washington State team, and their one-on-one battles, they were locked tight. And this was definitely something to where you knew this was going to be a really, really good battle. And both defenses absolutely showed up up i know we've talked a lot about the washington defense already and them being really good but the washington state defense going in there and just putting all the pressure that they can on michael pennix jr and letting um washington themselves get into penalty trouble that was that it is what it is but still coming out at the end of the day with a dub that was definitely big for washington and going 12 and on the year and I still, I still can't wrap my mind around just how close of a game this was. and Hats off to Washington State for pulling this kind of a game and ending the year in 5-7 and seven and going up against Washington. You, This is definitely – I know obviously the score for them obviously not being the way they want, but in my opinion, I would still call this a win going against Washington and Michael Penix Jr. and all the weapons that he's got on the field.
1: Yeah, if you if you believe in moral victories, I think this is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's a it's a really tough tough year for Washington State too, and especially looking at how they started off the season too, because they started off the season and everyone was talking about Washington State and how how tricky they are. Because uh, let's see, they they win to Colorado State, they win win against Wisconsin, they win against uh, Colorado. Uh, they went against Washington State, a heartbreaker to UCLA, and then a heartbreaker to Arizona, then a heartbreaker to Oregon, then a heartbreaker to Arizona State, then a heartbreaker to Stanford, then a heartbreaker to California. You beat Colorado, and now you lose to Washington. I mean, you started off 4-0, and you know, fight your way for a fifth win, and then you, you end up losing again, and you just can't get that bowl game uh, out of really what, what started off to an amazing season. But uh, going through that list, too, like all of those teams – are incredibly tough teams throughout the Pac-12. This is absolutely, and we've said this multiple times, the toughest the Pac-12 has ever been because whether, you know, and and one of their non-conference games being Wisconsin, uh, that's that's a, a tough one right there too because Wisconsin's no joke, uh, and really even on a first-year uh, head coach. But, you know, you're talking about uh, UCLA and Oregon State, Arizona being as good as they are this year. They came out of nowhere. And then, of, of course, Oregon. Uh, Arizona State was kind of a tricky team throughout the season, uh, and then even Cal, not not really one you can just walk into, and they're kind of a, a team you have to at least be prepared for. Uh, we thought maybe Colorado could do something, but too bad, so sad. Prime only gets four wins on the whole season, uh, not even going bowling, and then Washington. So, I mean, you look at that Pac-12 slate and, and what they had to go through. That was a, a really tough season for Washington State. So, yeah, it sucks. It sucks that you weren't able to, uh, to win this game, and you weren't able to go bowling, but man, you, you had a really tough season and all you can really do now is just look forward to next year and uh, start start prepping for the next season.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, you list off that kind of a lineup, Really, all being really, really close nail biting games. You you get you gotta give yourself a lot of credit here. And going in, I'm having going into that year and think, okay, we just ended five and seven. This isn't the year that we wanted. But the Pac twelve this is like you just obviously said. This is the best we've seen the Pac twelve in. I don't know how long, if ever. But literally going into next year, Washington State, keep your head up high. I know five and seven is not the way you want at the end of the year, but. I guarantee you guys next year. I guarantee you Washington State will be a lot of team, a team we talk about a lot next year. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they definitely have what it takes. Um, but going on, we've got Florida, Florida State, another rivalry. It is rivalry week, and we're going to have the the Seminoles who are striving to stay undefeated and work their way into the college football playoff uh, contentions. But they were losing fourteen to fifteen going into the fourth quarter. That's whenever I realized, man, this game. Is much scarier, scarier than anyone could have anticipated. And of course, Florida. We, I know Florida is not a terrible team. I know they're a team that you know you you can still expect to win some of these kinds of games. But you know, I looking at this. I mean, outside of them scoring ten unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win. You know, looking at at Florida State, I, I really want to defend them, and I, I have been defending them up to this point. I want to defend them, saying that you know, without uh, Jordan Travis, they're still a good team. They still have weapons all around, but. Tate Roadmaker. I, I mean, the dude only went twelve of twenty-five, one hundred and thirty-four yards, no touchdowns uh, on on the air or through the air, and really the entire team just looked very deflated on offense. Uh, if it wasn't for this defense, man, I, I, I don't know because this defense definitely proves this is a top team. But you know, with their their offense as dead. Uh, as it was with Jordan Travis, it's going to be really hard to defend them coming into the playoff selection and seeing who those top four teams are. Uh, hats off to Florida State. You get the win. You stay 12-0. and Now you're going on to the ACC championship game. I think you're going to have to beat Louisville very, uh, very uh, convincingly for the playoff committee to keep you in that top four spot, especially depending on how everything shakes up. And who knows, I still think Ohio State might have the edge over Florida State at this point. Uh, you know, looking at Florida State. Um, and I just, I don't know because you look at it, I think the winner of the Pac 12 makes it in, whether it be Oregon or Washington. I think they secured their spot in there. Uh, and then that spot's really going to kind of be open. It depends on what happens in the SEC championship game. But we're we're going to talk about all those scenarios here coming up this week anyway. So I won't get too far into that. I just don't think that Florida State stands a whole lot of a chance unless they really whoop up on, on Louisville in the SEC championship game.
0: I tell you what every person on that defensive roster for Florida State deserved a game ball just because literally just watching that game, I, their offense, they weren't producing anything. I know a lot of people were talking about ever since the injury of Jordan Travis that it was just going to be, oh, there goes our season, that we weren't going to even get a shot here. But I tell you what, their quarterback, he he's still at least telling people, yeah, we may have lost our quarterback for Jordan Travis, but we're still going to be hanging in there. But at this – at the end of the day, only having 95 yards for Benson on the day and just being able to shut down Florida. I mean, I get it a win's a win, but at the end of the day, you still need to you still need to put a little more effort into it. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Florida State here, but to me it just seemed like they were they were out there, but at the same time it was there wasn't any anything in particular that stuck out. Like you'd see some players just keep Digging and digging, just to try and make make big plays or make key blocks and tackles. But it just seemed like Florida State was just out there. They were just—it just seemed like they were going through the motion. In my honest opinion, Josh. And looking on the other side for Florida, obviously only having 86 yards, so we obviously know that this kind of a situation that it it it, it was going to be. It, I thought it was going to be more exciting, but I mean, at the end of the day, for this game. This is one of the games to where I I thought after watching this, like, why did I why did I hype this up so much more than what the outcome of this really ended up to be? Just because I thought this was going to be a high scoring game for both sides of the team, and twenty four to fifteen final. Okay, cool, Florida State, you just came undefeated, but at the end of the day, you got you need to prep up against Louisville because if you're going to play like that. I think, I sincerely think you're going to get mowed over by Louisville.
1: Yeah. And, and I will say, if they beat Louisville, even if it is a close game like this one was, I don't really care. I will say the only reason why I, I will still probably defend them is because they're a conference champion and they're undefeated. So, regardless mm-hmm. of how everything shakes up, I will probably defend. Florida State to that point. But you also have to take uh, take into consideration if, if Texas wins the Big 12, sitting there with only one loss. So you've got Texas uh, and then a possible one-loss uh, Pac-12 team uh, if Oregon were to win. So, you know, do you put possibly Oregon in over them as well, which I think absolutely needs to be the case because uh, I think Oregon is better than Florida State right now. And and so it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the record, and that's what Florida State and their fans need to realize is that, just because you sit there and you're 13 and 0 doesn't mean that you deserve to go with it there because they want to pick the four best teams, and that's really what it all boils down to. So I mean, it sucks, um, but Florida State has had some tough competition throughout the year. They started off with LSU in the very first game. They go on to beat uh, Clemson later on, going throughout the rest of the, the rest of the year. Uh, and and Florida has no, you know, cakewalk or anything like that. So uh, you know, and, and I will give it to them as well. I think you you're you lost your starting quarterback and you go into a rivalry game like this, I I will give you a little bit of leniency on that too, but it's going to be scary and we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes down to it uh, for the playoff selection. Mm -hmm. But let's get to Georgia, Georgia Tech, another one that I'm going to be honest, I went to bed um, because I didn't care to watch this game. I thought Georgia is going to absolutely kill them. Um, (laughs) My brother even said something about, uh, you know, what if you put 50 bucks down on them uh, and 50 bucks would have won you if you would have put 50 bucks on Georgia Tech to win the game it was going to win you 700 bucks and i was like yeah that would, that would be a fun way to lose 50 bucks i guess it, just looking at this there's no way Georgia Tech wins but they kept it close and down to the wire and i think that was the shocker and and i was even looking up i think if you would have put 50 bucks on them to cover uh 10 points because the spread i think was 21 if i remember right 21 and a half Uh, So if you were to uh, buy that down to 10 points, you would have got a good good chunk of change from that one as well. But uh, outside of Kendall Milton, man, this Georgia team looked really deflated. It just didn't look like they were good. They they looked terrible all around. It didn't look like a number one team. It didn't look like a a back to back national championship uh, defender. Uh, and it didn't look like a team that's looking to threepeat because outside of of Kendall Milton, who went uh, for eight over eight and a half yards per carry, 156 yards and two touchdowns, amazing day from him. Outside of that, it was just very, uh, just bland, uh, just very bland. <laughs> just looking at this team, it was just it wasn't a good good showing from this team as a whole. Um, this defense uh, they allowed 205 yards rushing. Uh, so I mean, just looking at this man, I mean, it, it just it could be that they were just looking ahead. And knowing that they're going to the SEC championship regardless, let's just go on to the SEC championship game and and handle our business there. That's that's a possibility, but uh, you know, looking at uh, Georgia also lost the turnover battle two to zero. There was a fumble and inter, an interception, so they were just absolutely sleeping this game. But ultimately, Georgia wins thirty one to twenty three.
0: If you were to tell me that Georgia was barely going to escape against Georgia Tech, I thought you I would tell you I thought you are crazy.
1: By only seven points.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the mind-boggling thing. It's seven effing points against the dogs. We've talked about Georgia all year, and you have this close of a battle against Georgia Tech. What the heck is going on here? I don't know if they all didn't drink their protein shakes before the game or if they didn't do the same pregame ritual or whatever the situation is, but this did not look like, the Georgia Bulldogs, the possible three-time. I don't know why – I say possible. I'm not saying the three-time just because if you play like this, well, you might as well just go ahead and hit the golf course just because you pissed it away. Just This was not the normal Georgia Bulldogs that we've obviously been used to seeing. Carson Beck, just him using his legs and obviously without Mr. Brock Bowers and – we can tell that there was a lot of situations to where we can see, okay, this is going to be a Brock Bowers moment to where they're going to go down and score or they're going to get that first down or whatever the situation is. But this is definitely something to where it makes me think. It, I understand Georgia, they've had so much power and so much dominance, but this is this a situation to where – Georgia's now just trying to get by and just go week after week a little bit and just pray and hope that they can just keep going on, or or was this just the or was this just a fluke for Georgia and going against Georgia Tech? Just because I know obviously George, we when was the last time we have talked about Georgia Tech, Josh?
1: Uh never
0: exactly
1: <laughs> well and and but. one thing we can say too is that you know we know who who this Georgia team really is and we know what to really expect from them uh, and I'm sure there will be there will be plenty of people that say yeah well, look how Georgia played against Georgia Tech you expect them to go against Alabama but look how Alabama played against Auburn uh, look how how Florida State played against Florida. Uh, you know there was plenty of teams that just didn't perform the way that we would have expected them to Louisville losing to Kentucky there's a, there's a lot of those mm-hmm. i think you know a, a big time uh, you know it's it's a rivalry to georgia tech not to georgia and i think that's another piece of this that you can fit into the into the puzzles that this means everything to georgia tech if they could just hand hand that that loss to georgia you know how terrible that would be for them uh, and so Georgia Tech has nothing to lose. Let's go out there and just play our hearts out. And and so that's that's why I think you can expect these kinds of things to happen to teams like Georgia. But outside of that, yeah, just not a good showing from Georgia at all.
0: No, Josh, I want your honest opinion. What do you think Kirby Smart had to say after the game? I know this is something to where it's not a 76-14 to 14 game or whatever. This is 31-24 to 24 here. What do you th- how do you think Kirby Smart was acting in the locker room after this game, after he said, good job, everybody?
1: You, you know what would be even scarier? Is mm. if, if Kirby Smart goes into the locker room, doesn't say a thing, goes and gets his things and just walks right out. I'll be waiting on the bus. <laughs> I, 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 do, I don't want to know what was said, because I've seen Kirby Smart mm. yelling at his guys when they're up by 40 points. So, I don't mm-hmm. wanna know what was said in that locker room. No. Uh, I can just I can just imagine how scary that was and and mm-hmm. uh just seeing seeing the the players' looks on their faces for what was going on for that but man, it was. Not a good game by Georgia, but I guarantee you we can expect to see a totally different Georgia game this upcoming week <clears throat> as we get into Championship Week, uh, where we're going to see all of the 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 we're we're going to have to touch on all five of the games uh, coming up this this upcoming Saturday, uh, and so it's it's going to be a really fun one. Uh, make sure to tune in with us. We're going to make sure that we have episodes out on Tuesday and Thursday both. This upcoming week, and the schedule looks like it should line up just fine for us to do that. Uh, and then make sure to tune in with us on Saturday live with us on Saturday morning at eight thirty a.m. Central Time. We haven't really done a live show in a couple of weeks, and we even had a week off uh, in between as well for all of us traveling and, and uh, uh, Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff too. So make sure to tune in with us this Saturday morning live at eight at you uh, see yeah eight thirty a.m. Central Standard Time. That's nine thirty. Eastern time make sure to tune in with us live here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 10,000. We're hoping to be able to possibly crack that mark before the end of college football season. Uh if we have to, we'll even cheat and uh say through the bowl season if we really have to, but it'd be nice to celebrate the new year uh sitting there at 10,000 already. So make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, all that fun stuff. And then, uh, of course, you can always hit hit that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you don't listen to one of those main platforms that give you a review option, you can also go to our website at rising2.com where you can find everything that we do over there on that website. That's R-I-S-I-N-G-T-O.com. You can find everything we do there, um, but you can also click on the review button and give us a review over on the website, and we will always love seeing seeing those uh, reviews come in, just to kind of give us whether it be constructive criticism or uh, just straight up how much you love the show. Uh, we love reading them, and we love all of the support. So give us a five star review, so we can see those roll in, guys. Uh, and you can also hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube right now as well. But we all we thank you all so much for all of your support uh, and for everything that you guys have done to help us grow up to this point. And yeah, and, and, and until next time.